Hello once again to all of our lovers of the written word out there. We are the Annie Gamers Book Club. We've been away for a while, but we could not be more excited to be back to bring you some more wonderful light novel reviews and criticism and thoughtful critique of the kind that you can only get from this, the Annie Gamers Book Club. I am Anaki, and my beautiful, handsome, wonderful co-host, my dear, dear friend, of which I have no one else in the world like him in my life, it is David Estrella. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, you really went hard in on the, uh, the coherence and the, uh, the lucid element that I wanted to bring into the podcast. Well, that's, I guess that's, uh, the first Still downhill from here. Right? Okay, so the first announcement... <laughs> First announcement is that we're trying a new thing, and it's called being coherent on the podcast. And then the second thing is that there's just going to be less of us, unfortunately. I talked about this with Evan Minto on the Gamers podcast, Hi, man. which I also host with Evan Minto. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of obvious if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, there was just suddenly like a two, three month gap in between episodes. <laughs> And I guess what we all realized is, wow, we just don't have that much time. Sorry. We just, I mean, we have to, we're just doing a juggling act over here. And unfortunately, the podcasts have suffered for it. Any gamers as a whole has suffered for it. The listeners have suffered for it. And I can only say it won't get much worse, but it <laughs> isn't going to get completely better either. Real, uh, real positive feelings going into 2023, but you know that's just how it is. I mean, consider that we're recording this in February. We're, we're recording this in late February, the first episode for 2023. But hey, we're here. We made it. We made it. We made it here, and we should at least be happy for that, right? Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, life has a habit of getting in the way, but that's not gonna stop us from doing this, even though the rate at which it's coming out is slower than any of us would like. Especially us. Especially all of us at at any gamers who really, really appreciate the audience that we've built and the support that people give us. Would that we were able to to double down and just make lots and lots and lots of stuff. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, it is. Other- I wish it were otherwise. I really do. But speaking of suffering, suffering. I'm very glad you brought up the concept of suffering because I think that um, I think it's going to be relevant when we talk about the light novel that we read, which is Torture Princess Volume Two. And I'm going to try not to call it Twilight Princess: Legend <laughs> of Zelda for Nintendo GameCube and the Wii because I abbreviated it to TP and. I'm aside, aside from toilet paper, the other thing that I think about is Twilight Princess. And then I start thinking about Torture Princess. I've been calling it Torture Princess 2 to Torture 2 Princess. Well, that's because it's volume 2. Yeah. So, yeah. So how how much better did it get uh, in volume 2? Because everybody loves to just say that. Like every time we read something extremely mid on the show and then somebody on Discord will be like, oh, well, you know, they get progressively better as the books go on. That's kind of been the mission of um, the Book Club these, is not uh, crash, these last yeah. few episodes, hasn't it? It has indeed been the mission of these last three episodes. Would it shock you to hear that I'm maybe coming around on Torture Princess? Would it would it shock you to hear that the second volume really kind of did it for me? Um, to what degree of doing it for you do you mean? Um, so the first kind of half of the novel is 
kind of more of what was in that that first volume and i do understand when people say that there's like a very clear delineation between the much schlockier much more intentionally transgressive stuff in that first volume and then the second volume where it decides that it's a good time for it to build on its themes and and things like that i i should say that i do have a certain fondness for very edgy transgressive works like i i really just have a a taste for edgy transgressive shit but the corollary to that is that you really have to do something that i haven't seen a million times you really really have to make something that is genuinely shocking and genuinely outside of the realm of things that i have seen before and the failure of a lot of the wannabe edgelord transgressive things is it's not really all that interesting and it's not really all of that different from (laughs) from other things and i do think torture princess it's kind it's kind of on the line it's it's getting it's getting to a point where the the relentless gore and the grim darkness is kind of adding up to a point and i like that and i think that that's an interesting way of exploring its themes and I would be interested to see, <laughs> classic, classic Any Games Book Club, I would be interested to see where it goes from here. But I'm getting the vibe that you didn't like this very much. Um, I think it's a matter of taste, isn't it? I mean, there's some stuff in the book that uh, you'll never be able to package it in such a way that would make somebody think, oh, well, yeah, I guess I guess it's necessary. I guess, I guess it really adds on to the themes and such because a lot of that stuff is just in there for shock value i think the parts of it that start to reveal that there might be something to the story is definitely when it scales back on the visuals and then starts being about these characters who have been brought together by these so-called proud wolf lowly sow etc etc it was absent for like half of this novel as well which was doesn't even really take part in most and yeah in most of the story so this is this is a book that i would i would go as far as to say that it's more about kaito and his relationship with hina at least we're starting we're starting to see we're starting to see a little bit more depth in it i think before we go fully into this you know we'll i mean we'll, we'll, we'll do all of our disclaimers and things you know graphic imagery uh violence against children women that sort of thing think of what would be in a novel called torture princess and that's our content warning is stuff that would be in a novel called torture princess the cover arts are like they're like they're pretty tastefully drawn in, in a way, you know, like that sort of like ornate style, right? Very frilly, very like, very like light in, in a way, delicate. And you would think, maybe, maybe you'll think to yourself like, oh, it's like, it's torture princess, but there's going to be like princessy elements into it. And then what you end up getting is like, oh, that's not, <laughs> that, that's like, that's nothing like uh, what I envisioned. Yeah, it leans way more heavily on the torture than the princess. You're right though, that these novels are very invested in character work more so now yeah i think a problem with the first volume was that a lot of the character stuff in there was just very episodic characters would show up and then they would die in a horrible way and surprisingly some of that stuff does come back in volume two or at least like in when we're talking about kaito it seems like he is continuously racked by guilt over death of a specific character in volume one where he was 
more or less just completely helpless to be able to do anything about it. He has survivor's guilt for sure. Yeah, it was, death, it was the death of one of the kids at the hands of the first demons that they were running into. And this was before he had really established any sort of, I guess like any sort of meaningful relationship with Elizabeth. Like he had just been summoned as this familiar, almost like it just seemed like the whole purpose of him being there was to get beat up, to have Elizabeth take out her frustrations on him and feed her, right? But turns out that he's a terrible cook, so it, he didn't really have that much going for him. These are very low-key food pervert novels, which is not a thing. Oh that yeah, David did you appreciate that? <laughs> uh, you know I love um, you know I love food and I love fantasy descriptions of food. So yeah, I did I did appreciate, it. and I do have a certain fondness for awful cookery, which is. <laughs> Not everyone's favorite. Uh, I know we were talking about food once, and you were like, "Yeah, I, I can't stand lengua." Oh no, I cannot. Yeah, not my not my favorite at all. I can't get enough of it. But yeah, I do. I do appreciate that these are not as much as some other stuff that we've read. Uh, cooking with wild game comes to mind. Not not as food pervert as that stuff, but you know, low key, low key, a food pervert book. Yeah. So the book starts out like right away. Uh, we're defeating one of the demons. I think like. They might want to take their time with it, considering I think that the demon count is somewhere like around 10 or 11 that are left after the end of the first volume. And especially since like the allegedly strongest one has been defeated almost like right away. <laughs> it almost seems like they're just doing cleanup duty and Elizabeth has no problem taking care of this. Uh, this I don't even know what it was, like a coffin skeleton hand demon thing whatever it doesn't matter it sucked it died right away and then they just have a picnic uh right where it died which which is where the food pervert stuff is coming in because the food description here is like oh, it's that's like a, that is a very intense picnic that they are having they have uh sandwiches with foie gras onion mm. tomato uh red wine sauce i feel like you're mocking me a little bit figs and fruit tarts and, and yeah i love this well, shit. i mean a little bit a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. I you don't have you, to go. I mean, you don't. You don't have to go that hard when it's like a picnic, right? I don't I mean, know. Why not go that hard? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been on a picnic with you. No, you haven't. That's one of the one of the few things we haven't done together. Yeah, I think like those first ten pages really do a good job of getting back into the swing of things of what Torture Princess really is, which is got a got a weird sense of humor along with depictions of graphic violence every now and then. That's just that's sort of that's sort of where we're at. That. It does, it does feel like a light novel, which I, I think is, mm, I think, I think it, it, I think it is important, right? You want to establish a, a tone right away? For sure. Well, I like this about Kumadeska Nanikar as well, is that it takes these things that are very, very common in light novels and builds on them and kind of is like, well, you know, lots of light novels do this, so we're going to do it 10 times harder. We're going to really, really build on the foundational archetypes and and story tropes that everyone uses mm -hmm. and it's good now that we have a pretty solid cast to go off of right we got three characters we've got kaito who is the boy who's been isekai from japan he had a terrible life died miserably and it seems like he's just been transported into another world that sucks yes very much so elizabeth who is Mm, kind of coerced into doing this job of hunting down these demons by the um this uh, like this church establishment that they yeah. got in this world and by the end of her task they're just gonna kill her 
and she just doesn't really seem too bothered by the details. She is doing a pretty good job so far of hunting down the demons, even though for now it just seems like it's been a one princess operation. But now, now we got the the maid robot, right? Now the maid robot was introduced in volume one, kind of by accident, Kaido sort of wanders into Elizabeth's, I don't know, what was that? Like a walk-in closet that went on forever. And yeah. there's just all kinds of torture devices and stuff like that. So anyway, he accidentally activates this maid who I think was constructed by Vlad? Yes. She was one of Vlad's creations. Yeah, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, yeah. Who was Elizabeth's uncle who turned her into the torture princess to save her from her horrible terminal illness. Hina, yeah, the uh, the Yandere robot maid who is madly in love with Kaito for uh, not really any reason stronger than uh, he is the one who successfully passed her programming or in a way like because I mean because it's Vlad right it, like it just it can't can't be straightforward uh, there was this whole sequence where Hina upon activation asked you know Kaito okay what what am I to you and he had a bunch of options and he decided what like lover or something like that and that was that was the correct one yeah i don't quite remember the sequence cuz it, it's been a while but she's programmed she's mm-hmm. madly in love with him because that's part of her programming there's this really long sequence in this where hina just like she keeps declaring how much she loves kaito because of his kind of character as a as a person and how it's it's not just her programming it's the fact that she's an object she she views herself as a thing that was made to be used but nobody ever actually took her seriously until kaito and almost by not really knowing any better he's given her an actual existence that she can enjoy and the Mm. novel leaves it really really ambiguous because you know that she's programmed to love him but she's coming up with these very emotional declarations of of the specifics of why Mm-hmm. And it is just kind of heartbreaking, the stuff that mm-hmm. this poor... She even calls... She's like, I'm a sex doll. Like, I'm not a... Oh, I was going to bring that I'm I was not bring a that person. Later. Yeah. Most light novels that we read don't have their sex dolls. They're like sex robots. Say, I am a sex robot. And this is the one that was brave enough to be like, yep, this is this character. I was going to bring that up later because I felt like the sequence in which she says that, when she puts that out there, that I, I, I like, I kind of lost it a little bit the first time that I read it. Probably not in like a good way, because I think that the author was definitely trying to make it serious, but also reveals some more stuff about the depth of Hina's affection for Kaito. And on like the second read-through, when I was trying to put together some of the notes on this podcast, I got to thinking like, maybe, you know, maybe it's not really a, a comic bit that they're putting in there. Although it comes I, across I as like very funny. To me, it comes across as very funny because there's a lot of theatricality to everything Mm. in the story. So the plot for volume two is that Elizabeth needs information on the second in line for the the one under Vlad and the, the Kaiser. She needs information on the Grand King. So they go to Vlad's old place. And they're looking around, don't seem to be finding too much. Uh, but Kaido finds a stone that he like he's drawn to it. He feels like it might be useful in some sort of way. So Kaido takes the stone back with him, and everybody goes back to Elizabeth's castle, and they find the butcher being hung from a chandelier. Oh no! 
Oh, no, of course, it's a, it's, a, it's a comic scene, right? Mm. Um, the Butcher is our one comic relief character that we get. So if they'd killed him off, like, right away, probably would have sucked. I was very genuinely concerned that they were going to kill him off, and then he's just like, oh, this is my lot in life. Yeah, he's, like, the only easily sympathetic character in the book. Like, his only purpose there is to uh, bring the meats. He wants to ensure that Elizabeth is full of meat, and that's just his one thing that he does. So what he reveals to the group is that it's probably a demon attacking, and it's definitely a trap. So what do they do? They walk right into the trap. One of the demons that they are looking for, one of the lower-level demons, the governor, has invited Elizabeth over to a party. This doesn't make sense to Elizabeth because the governor doesn't... They, were, they shouldn't really know anything about these teleportation circles that they were talked about in volume one. I kind of forgot like the details, but I'm assuming that they are a higher level of magic. Yeah. I wasn't suspicious about it because like I, I didn't really care. <laughs> um, Kaito doesn't really care, but Elizabeth is saying something something's up here so the governor's banquet i know i know we we mentioned like food perversion before but this is like actual perversion and to a degree where it's like mm, yeah maybe a little fucked up maybe not maybe not so nice yeah everybody everybody was having a real good time at this banquet how do we how do we how do we describe this how do we describe this so the way that you, you get describe this the easiest way that you get magic power in these novels and especially for demons as they feed off of human sin and human suffering and so mm -hmm. you have all of these people who are kind of like a divine comedy ironic hell of gluttony of of eating and there's people we did give you a content warning so if you've listened to it this far it's your own fucking fault like eating and eating and eating but they're they've been disemboweled so it spills out of their chest cavity and then they start eating it again and all sorts of horrible things like that and all of it is powering up this demon that elizabeth has to go and fight yeah it's the sort of stuff that makes me think an anime adaptation is uh nigh on impossible <laughs> i don't know i don't know who would want to host that sort of thing on their tv channel but anyway so we get to the governor's room and the governor who was just like a a, a fucked up little man before seems to have changed in in the time since we we last saw them we get to the governor's room and in like the very short time since we last saw them they went from little fucked up man to just a, a big old mountain of flesh just kind of kind of rotting from the outside to to the inside and nobody really wants to get close elizabeth doesn't care like she sticks her whole finger into into the blobby mess and everybody's like well what's going on here the governor i guess spits his heart up and then the heart explodes and some like weird fucked up demon hands come out and they bind Elizabeth with a curse. And while this is happening, I think that one of the characters notices that there is a needle sticking out from his neck. Things look like they have suddenly gone straight to shit. Elizabeth is now, now she has her powers sealed She's incapacitated for the rest mm. of the novel, and Kaito has to figure out some way of bringing her back. This is the part where Elizabeth now is not as important to the rest of the story. So the pod has now gone from we got to find the Grand King to okay, we gotta we gotta fix Elizabeth. And now, of course, obviously, because you have incapacitated like the strongest element in the opposing force, now the Grand King reveals herself. And, oh, baby, we get hag content in <laughs> Torture Princess. This is full-on, like, anime 
anime hag, right? Like, <laughs> it's, uh, okay, so the thing about anime is, like, it, it, it seems like anybody over the age of 30 has, like, massive sagging breasts and always talks down to the younger characters, like, oh, well, you have, like, no life experience, and they're, like, really just brimming with sexuality mm. and all this. This is one of those light novel series that very much, as we discussed earlier, really leans on tropes pretty hard in a way yeah. that is occasionally <laughs> frustrating, but is also occasionally kind of glorious. Yeah, sometimes you get stuff like this. It's unfortunate that, like, as as nice as the art is, like, you don't really get to see too much of Fior, who probably you probably could have you probably could have had like one more illustration, right? I mean, it, this is already a book series that makes no qual like there's no qualms about it being pretty pretty lowbrow most of the time so i mean just give just give us a little bit more i would probably say edgelord transgressive more than lowbrow but i do get where you're coming from so this is the part where i think if i was a demon right if i was the grand king mm -hmm. hypothetically speaking why don't i just finish off elizabeth right now just get it done with why wouldn't why would I not do that? Well, all of the demons in this are pretty prideful, they're pretty vainglorious, and it's not about winning for them necessarily, it's about having power over other people. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's like that's just like such a silly motivation. That's like the sort of motivation that you'd see in uh like Tokusatsu or something. I, I guess, yeah. I see, I see where you're coming from. I, you know, like it, is, you got, it is plot you got convenient. Your one shot. It is plot convenient <laughs> that she doesn't finish Elizabeth off there, mm. but also the demons are otherworldly creatures and they have, you know, millennia, centuries to plot and scheme to overtake human beings, whereas on the human side, it is your day-to-day -day life, your one existence with an infinite blackness on either side that you have to live, so it's a lot more pressing for them. So Kaito has to... He finds himself making the exact same mistake that Vlad made to save Elizabeth's life, and part of my issue with the first volume was a lot of the suffering was kind of abstract you know and they'd be like oh a thousand people died in this town and stuff like that whereas this one is it's very invested in character it's it's very clear that they're all on this like horrible path to oblivion and it doesn't try to redeem them or be like well who's to say if you kill a hundred people to save a million it's it's very very much not like that and the the kind of core of genuine suffering of of kaito of hina of Elizabeth is really interesting to me. Kaito, he makes a, a contract with one of the, the demons to give himself power so that he can power up Elizabeth, and he's been given the second life, and he damns himself a second time, and he gets sent back to Earth, even, and rather than try and get out of this horrible way that he died at the hands of his own father, he commits suicide so that he can get back to the isekai world and and help elizabeth kaido has to swallow his pride and work with vlad but it's not vlad it's like a phantom version it's a it's a copy of vlad that was sealed into this stone he poured his consciousness into like a little yeah like a little stone or something and it's it's 
basically him without actually being the real person. I kind of liked how this flood was written where it's like, it is him, but he's like, he's conscious of the fact that he can't do anything. So while he might have been like out, out and like a complete asshole in volume one, in volume two, he's just kind of, he's, he's okay just helping to an extent, you know, if like, if Kaito is going to do this, he seems like he is willing to help out if it's just if it's entertaining enough that's it that's all that this rock really cares for not really driven by any sort of motivation to like subjugate all of humanity and you know become like the most powerful demon ever like that's just that's not important anymore he's just he's a ghost inside of a rock all he can really do now is just see how things pan out you know give give kaito some some tips you know you want to you want to summon the kaiser go ahead be be my guest here's how you do it so what kaito ends up doing is a deal with a demon this is I don't feel like we got that much of the Kaiser in volume one. I felt like it was more that Elizabeth and the rest showed up just in time before any sort of mass destruction would have taken place. So the Kaiser is big old dog, right? It's a big old toothy dog. And this is this is our strongest demon. Without Elizabeth, Kaito and Hina they do arrive with Elizabeth to this town that has been under attack by the Grand Earl and the Grand Duke. This is this is a part that I maybe didn't catch on too much. Like Elizabeth isn't fully incapacitated. She can still do stuff, but it seems like she can just do stuff to a lesser degree than she was able to before. So it's like, yeah, like you sealed some of the power away, but you didn't seal all of it. So she's out there to help a little bit. And in here, we get, I mean, we get some more Kaito and Hina moments. Kaito barges in on this attack that this, like, plant creatures has had on this family and saves some kids. And this, of course, brings back memories of trying to survive in Volume 1. This is, like, another one of those moments where Hina just kind of, like, loses it, right? Where she's like, oh, Kaito, you know, you're like, you're so heroic and, and all of this, right? And I think this is around the time when Kaito is, like, having some pretty edgy thoughts about heroism and God. I, think he's for- I don't think he has formulated his, uh, his whole theory just yet, but seeing stuff like this where the family has been attacked by one of the underlings of the demons, he's having... You know, he's having thoughts like what kind of what kind of god would allow this to happen right while well, he's like trying to, his best to help but he also realizes that he doesn't have any sorts of powers although they did conveniently find uh, like a flame flame sword thing right when they were about to fight some plant-based demon thankfully that like, the writing doesn't go too hard on like oh you know elemental magic you know stuff that is obviously weak to other stuff you know like you know we've all we all played pokemon once or twice (laughs) i appreciate that i appreciate the fact that practicing magic has a lot of ill effects and it's really hard to cast like a really big spell especially because the easiest way to accumulate magic power is kill people you need to cause suffering (laughs) it does Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of the very very archetypical lame like oh we're having a battle and i'm describing it no light novelists (laughs) very few light novels are free of sin in that regard like even kumo is guilty Mm -hmm. of that occasionally but yeah yeah, well, I mean, you get what you signed up for. Elizabeth beats the Grand Earl, like, right away. Like it's, like, it's not even a fight. She doesn't even need, like, her full strength. They have a 
bigger problem with the Grand Duke, who is this jellyfish in the middle of the ocean. Think about it real hard, and this is where the Kaiser comes into play, right? So Kaito is more or less set on making this deal, the Kaiser. First, the trial, right? We're gonna we're gonna get, we're gonna get, we're gonna get a trial. Kaito uses this power to morph some birds in a way, like just make them really big. And then the birds will tear up the jellyfish, but the jellyfish has been absorbing all this water. And it's like, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's more of that stuff where it's a video game fight. All the notes being like dictated back to you. It's like, what's, uh, what's going on? This is, this is the fight where they lose. Jellyfish explodes, but the person who was contracted to the demon, or I don't even think it was a person, it was like a fish or something weird like that. Like, whatever was contracted and like comes out in the explosion and then sacrifices itself to put more curses on Elizabeth. Great. Now we're really screwed. Now we don't really know what options we've got left. Kaito could, you know, just fully make this deal with the Kaiser, although it doesn't seem like there's a lot of faith in Kaito being able to pull this off because he is saying, I'm going to do this deal, but we're not going to cause a bunch of rampant suffering kind of goes against the demon's whole deal like that's not that's not what they do they they cause suffering that that's what powers them up but kaito's got this crazy idea that maybe might just work but he needs hina on board with it thus far like kaito has been pretty good about hiding what is going on with him and his uh, his talking rock but hina of course is more sensitive to what's going on with kaito and eventually it all comes to a head between the two in one of like the nicer scenes in the book. They like have like a sweet little embrace and they do, yeah. you know reaffirm their feelings for each other. It's kind of startling <laughs> to see like a bit more than the halfway point. What seems like some pretty effective romance, kind of finally. Like it was always like it was always there, right? But you never got the sensation that Kaito was fully into it. Kaito was very slow to come around to Hina. And like Hina's also just like full blast, like you just can't mm. there's no there's no subtlety for Hina. That's just not that's not how she works. Kaido had to kind of grow into it. It wasn't mm -hmm, yeah. a flick of a switch for him. And again, it's it's leaning kind of on this archetype of Ataru and Lum, where Lum is lovey dovey and, and deeply in love and Ataru is doing everything in his power to pretend that he doesn't love her back. Kaido is also not used to affection he doesn't know how to process positive emotions and the fact that he loves him unconditionally despite being a sex robot he doesn't really understand it until he says i need you to be willing to die for me and she does it unhesitatingly mm -hmm, with a smile yeah fortunately she doesn't die i was wholly prepared for her to die <laughs> That's definitely one of those setups where you think to yourself, it's Hina alone in in a wedding dress up against the the Grand King who has finally decided to march on Elizabeth. Now that she has powered down Elizabeth twice, she's she's put two debuffs on Elizabeth. So this is definitely the time to march in. She's got the Grand Marquis and the regular Marquis, regular old Marquis, right there to you know sacrifice them. I don't know. I don't even know like how many more sacrifices you need. Like Elizabeth is stuck in bed. She can't even move. At least the Grand King is thinking that even if it is overkill, like you might as you might as well. You might as well. Elizabeth is like the uh, really the only the only real significant 
opposition in the whole book. We do hear some some of what's going on with the capital and with the church and all those people, and it seems like their fight is not going over so well. So this is why Kaito and Hina basically they, they are just they are standing alone against the Grand King. And mostly just Tina. Like it seems like Kaito has like some other plan going on. Anyway, Hina goes out, she does her declaration, right? She does the uh, probably the the strongest line in the whole in the whole book. Just an outright declaration that she is in fact Kaito's sex doll. Then there's light novel action for like 10 pages. It's working up towards something, okay? It is, yeah. Here's how the thing works, right? So Hina is destroying the Grand King's forces. The Grand King doesn't really care at this point all that much. She knows that she has a significant number advantage against Tina. Eventually, right, like Hina, it will tire out. Like they will, they will eventually knock Hina around enough that she will stop fighting. But what else is going on is that every time that Hina kills a guy out there, Kaito is feeling that. They set this up so that Kaito would feel all the pain inflicted in this fight. Hina is just going crazy. And so Kaito just made himself a conduit for all the suffering that is happening out there in the fight to power up the Kaiser. And that's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, and then gives that power to Elizabeth to revive her. Yeah, but oh, but before that, Kaido has the sense to cool entrance into the fight. And oh man, he's got, he swapped out his butler uniform for a military uniform. Oh man, that's how you know. That's how you know we're gonna get like some real, some real edgelord shit. Yeah, I mean that's that that's cool and all. That's fine. That's it's not like a brilliant. Ah, oh, yeah, they totally like really thought this out in such a way that's ingenious. But it's something. It's something, and it is something that has been in the works for most of the book, right? Like, yeah. This means Vlad's interactions with Kaito had some sort of meaning aside from him just taunting everybody from the safety of his rock. You get to see more of the Kaiser. The Kaiser does seem to have some power that the Kaiser can offer, but at a terrible cost. Somebody's going to have to, you know, foot the bill for this. And Kaito figures that, well, I'm basically just an immortal humunculus guy most of his, like, I guess, like, the material making his body, most of what's powering it is Elizabeth's blood. So if I soup up this blood with the Kaiser's power and offer it to Elizabeth, then obviously the curse from a lesser demon to the Kaiser, the Grand King, is going to undo that spell. That's, I mean, there's there's some thinking in there, right? I mean, it's still it's still pretty edgy, yeah. They've been laying the threads of this and letting you know how kind of magic in this setting works for two books by this point, so it's it's very well established. So this is a this is a good chance for the Grand King to get them out. Just gets them out and turns into a skeleton. Now she's not hot anymore. She's now now she's just a, a gross giant Dark Souls skeleton. I mean, obviously Elizabeth comes to save the day, freezes the Grand King uh, into an like, ice sculpture, and then hacks away at it, and then the bits of bone turn into feathers and things, and then you know everything's good now. Volume two over. But the main capital city, the the demons have finally started like their big attack on the human world and the church that has been controlling Elizabeth. A bunch of the people have been killed in the first big demon attack. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Hina needs to take like a nap forever. Yeah, to heal herself because she was very horribly injured fighting the king. The church that controlling Elizabeth dying off is because they refuse to help they kaito comes to them and he's like you need to help like how are you gonna fight all of these demons without her and they're like not my problem <laughs> the head priest is literally called god deus which is like some fucking that is a, a name created by someone who is not a native english speaker and he he has this really good line where kaito puts it to them that if the church was actually a force for good in the world they could have been able to save Elizabeth before she got corrupted, and he says, our powerlessness is a sin. That's a very strong statement about this book mm. and its its themes. I, so much of these books are about atonement and, and making up for your past actions, and if you can do it, or if the best you can do is just not pass it on, trying to break cycles like Kaito's trying to break the cycle of abuse that he was in and elizabeth is is kind of resigned to the fact that she's never going to be able to atone for the things that she does and we we see kaito in this he stoops to the level of vlad he sacrifices himself for the love of elizabeth to revive her so he makes the exact same mistake it's just really mm. really interesting <laughs> and despite everything that has been said against elizabeth to Kaito personally, she is the only one that reached out to help him. So for Kaito, Elizabeth is his hero. I got to thinking about it a little bit because like Kaito like forms his ideas when he's having this conversation with God Deus, right? He's forming his words in the sort of way that like a kid might try to like formulate like a really complicated idea that they've thought of right yeah they like they just don't have the vocabulary to get it out i thought i thought like that was pretty interesting right because i i don't think that we see him be all that verbal aside from just some remarks and some reactions to like what else is going on in the story and finally like he's putting in some input as to what he thinks what he's experienced thus far in this world and now where his own ideals are starting to settle like he's actually starting to form ideals after living a life more or less free of having to have any sort of ideals like that was how desperate and pathetic his life was there was yeah. no room for ideals but he did hear about other people having ideals and this idea of heroes so now that he's experienced some of this world for himself he takes those ideals and realizes if this is what a hero is, then Elizabeth is my hero. Despite yeah. what everybody else is saying, despite, you know, as much as she has sinned, as much as she is incapable of receiving any sort of penance for what she has done, in spite of all that, he will literally do anything for her, including living a life that would be a fate worse than death. Yeah. Dang edgelord novel but uh there, there's some there's some stuff in here there's some stuff in here and it's uh actually it, this novel series ended like two years ago and yeah in a few days it's actually going to be the two-year anniversary of when this novel series ended wow really yeah they made it up to 10 novels that is really interesting yeah you yeah, see so what i mean like, like it's it's it, I yeah 
I'm, I'm starting to get what it is about this that people find so engaging. Like, nobody's gonna save you. You gotta, you gotta save yourself. You have to, like, carve out an existence for yourself in a world that's awful. It's, it's so heavily that universal light novel theme of life as it is lived in the 21st century just being pure misery and lack of hope, and light novels tend to offer a vision of a world where everything's just fine and you you might not have had a very good life in this world but you can go to the next life and the things that make up your personality make you exceptional and allow you to live a life of comfort or, or adventure or both. This is that theme but about how you need to keep trying even when you get beaten down. You need to carve out an existence for yourself rather than just let bad things happen. So, Torture Princess Volume 2. Torture Princess Volume 2. You got a, you got a final thought here? I, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like we could keep talking about this. <laughs> I think we did hit the, our time put for putting a wrap on it, but we can always talk about it again on a volume three podcast. Oh, so you're willing to do volume three of this? Honestly, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, so all you people who told us that this is a good light novel series and that we should check out more of it, consider yourselves correct. There's stuff in these books that is not to my taste, and I think like the first kind of half ish of this one I wasn't that on board and I don't like the we've talked about this before like the fantasy battle video game stuff is not a thing that I like particularly but I can't hold that against Torture Princess specifically it's not for everyone but I like it when you can make something that is edgy and is transgressive and is gross and is like really really obsessed with all of these very juvenile, very kind of shock value ideas and, and elevate them and make something out of them. Check this one out, for sure. <laughs> volume 1, Volume one. you kind of have to sit through to get here, but uh, yeah, Torture Princess, who fucking knew, right? I enjoyed this one and I like what it's trying to do and I, I kind of get it. I, I get all you people, you were like, no, you gotta, you, second volume, it's where it starts to pop off. Yeah, okay, you you were you were absolutely right. We stand, well, I stand corrected. David, what, you got any final thoughts about Two Torture, Two Princess? I think if they nail it on volume three, that would be enough to convince me to read the rest of the series. As it is right now, it's still in like that tentative, is it really worth the time to read all the rest of the books? Or can we leave it off at just this one? I'm leaning more towards give the third book a try and then see where we go from there. Because I am interested in seeing where we're like, how are we going to form the rest of the plot if mostly like the more powerful demons have been defeated? It seems like Kaito has made a deal with the strongest demon, right? So now it's not just Elizabeth. Now we also have to deal with Kaito. Even if Hina is out of action for now when she comes back the three of them they're probably gonna have like a just a real easy time and it's just gonna be picnics for like the remainder <laughs> of, the, of the books I, I, I that would be kind of funny though like where torture princess like progressively gets more and more lighthearted and like more about just uh characters yeah. feeding each other yeah it just you turns know, into a cooking a cooking light novel <laughs> Like a, a love triangle uh, cooking novel series that came out of <laughs> this like super edgy, like dark and, and violent story. And, but that's, you know, part of part of like why things like that happen oftentimes is because of the natural growth of the writer 
Like how often have That's why we're doing we, this. Yeah, how often have we seen like yeah. a writer who starts making in their mind they set out to like make the darkest and most violent novel series in light novels, you know, yeah. and then they like stop being 20, they start being 30 like however many years later <laughs> when they're finishing their book series and now it's just about like this very complicated web of characters who all have they all they all have a character that they like and it's more about now, now it's more about the romance and it food is now a big part of it and yeah yeah okay so we'll, we're gonna we're gonna we'll find out we'll find out we'll we'll do this again at some point in the future that's why we're doing book club is not crash to see how authors evolve and change i mean who knows maybe clockwork plan gets really good in volume two it's possible, it's possible. Uh, i don't know about that but, one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah anyway so if you are on the fence about it don't be we have like a 1.75 out of two positive opinion about it you're you take your one point and i'll take my point 75 and that's like uh, i would also points. give it like a 0. 0.75 i think i think yeah, that's okay. i think that's solid and especially because you have to read that not that great first volume to get here so yeah one and a half out of two is still a pretty solid recommendation yeah cool. torture princess man who who fucking knew and the answer is a lot of you people who who told us to revisit this the very rare anarchy alive in the wide anarchy admission that someone else is right there you go <laughs> He laughed because he knows it's true. Uh, David Strayer. What's up? Speaking of things that we like, what are we doing next time? Oh, 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 we're doing, we're doing, uh, we're doing a real good one. We're doing a real good one to motivate us to come back and do an episode even sooner than I think we're expecting to do the episode. We're going to read You Are Right with a slightly older GF volume two. Yes, yes. Oh, one of oh, our favorites, yeah. one of the all-time Any Games Book Club Hall of Fame light novels. Couldn't be more excited to be sitting down to read this one. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. That was such an amazing volume one. Like oh. we don't get to say that very often, but it was an amazing volume one. Great volume one. Fantastic volume one. I think even if volume 2 is not as good, I would still probably say like yeah, I just, we'll I always have volume still have one, a positive yeah. opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. It would be hard for it to fall off hard enough to dismantle our opinion of Volume 1. Not impossible, but but hard, certainly. Alright, so what uh, what's left? What now? Recommendations corner. Yeah. Alright, yeah. Don't forget Don't forget to recommend stuff. Hmm. Recommend a thing that is not a light novel that you've been enjoying recently. Because what do they know of light novels? They who only light novels know. David Estrella. What's up? What do you have to recommend to our dear, dear audience? All the good little Anagamers book club bookworms out there. Uh, so I've been getting to this Japanese math rock band, Trico. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I have not. That sounds interesting. I'm always looking for new music to listen to. So Tell me more. math rock, right? You can never really keep up with the beat because the beat's always changing on you. Mm-hmm. Um it's a technical it's hard to parse most of the time i think i listened to this band forever ago but it didn't really stick to the ribs then uh now though now though mm, it's a okay so the band is made up of three girls plus one dude drummer and because of like the (laughs) the way they present the image on on the cover you'll see the three girls you won't see the drummer but the music that they play Oh boy, 
it's a uh, it's really aggressive it's really intense and energetic and even though they're doing like all sorts of funky stuff on the beat and the notes it's got a bit of a pop angle to it as well when you hear a song it doesn't just like blend into a whole mass of just random notes it does seem like there is concentrated effort to construct a song that is also pleasant to listen to on top of it being relatively technical as well and i watched a live performance that they did for that i had like a be- an even better appreciation of the of the music that i was hearing on the albums at this point i've listened to the first two albums a whole bunch of times their first album the literally just called the uh that's the more math one and then their second album and just and that is one where they scale back on the mathiness, so I would probably recommend starting on and first, unless, you know, you want you want the hard stuff, then you go to the. Yeah, very, very cool. Very, like, it also has, like, that very, like, Japanese rock sound to it as well, where I think, like, a lot of the math rock that you'll hear from outside of Japan almost seems like you could confuse it with, like, Midwest emo, because, like, they go yeah, for Yeah, or, like, yeah. they might be giants uh-huh. kind of stuff. I mean, like, I think, like, the stereotype is, like, it's, like, very, like, clean and not, like, not jangly, but, like, very clear and, you know, like, soaring and, like, all all this sort of stuff. And, like, the drummer is sweating buckets trying to, like, get everything (laughs) out that they need to get out. And I think the way that Trico does it is just, you know, just, like, let let the guitar tones, like, growl and bite a little bit which is, that's like, that's a real nice touch. That's not, you're going to have to link me some examples of that, because that, uh, that sounds like something I could check out, despite the fact that I am allergic to mathematics. <laughs> 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 oh, as for me, uh, crikey, um, so when we're recording this, uh, the news just came through yesterday that Matsumoto Leiji very sadly passed away. He was 85 years old, so it's not particularly surprising but god damn it hit me like a fucking truck like i i was like crying at work i was just devastated i I dragged my sorry ass home and and fixed myself a drink and was just like oh my god i can't oh yeah it, it really really affected me so if you're listening to this and you have never seen Arcadia My Youth or Galaxy Express or Emeraldus or Space Battleship Yamato or anything or even like the new Space Battleship Yamato was pretty good you really really owe it to yourself especially now that the man has sadly sadly left us you really owe it to yourself to find Leiji Matsumoto's work and really just take it in I cannot say enough good things about it it is beautiful and and spectacular and very very sad in a in a way that is yeah really really life-affirming i don't know how to explain it other than just stuff in in like galaxy express is just a relentlessly unhappy miserable two hour long film about regret and loss and trying to survive in a place where you are powerless and everything is out there to take advantage of you and and kill you is one of the most emotionally affecting works i've ever come across but leiji matsumoto was more than just making like soapy misery porn he's was a mangaka he made so much 
amazing stuff. People always talk about Tomino revolutionizing anime and making it like okay for adults, but like Dazaki and Matsumoto were really trusting their audience to have the emotional intelligence to understand what was going on in, in the 70s and uh, you really owe it to yourself. If you haven't seen, like, Arcadia or something in, in a number of years, like, the one corollary to that is <laughs> have, a, have a chemical barrier between you and that ending for Galaxy Express. Get a couple of nice stiff drinks into you and make sure you have plenty of tissues because, holy shit, it, it hit pretty hard before and I can't imagine how it's going to feel <laughs> now, that, um, now that Matsumoto is sadly... Sadly left us. Our galaxy is just a little bit colder for his absence. Yeah, I'm gonna stop before I start sobbing again. David Estrella. Mm-hmm. Where else should people check us out? Anygamers.com, Patreon, Discord, I guess, if you're into that. Discord, yeah. Like, I guess if you want to directly talk to us, the Discord, the Anygamers Discord, is definitely the place to do that. We have a book club channel, and we always... Always welcome new people who want to have some opinions about books. Always, yeah. always, I'm always excited to read some opinions about books. Oh, your light novel, even hot books takes, that we're not reading, bring it to us. Yeah, recommend something for us to read. Mm -hmm. We would appreciate it. Yeah, you can check out the Awu Small Bean video game stream, twitch.tv forward slash Awu Small Bean. We just had our five year anniversary, and boy, what an anniversary Dang. it was. <laughs> <laughs> we recreated oh, the famous Wu Small Bean You Miniki Ragdoll. That was fun. All those words don't mean anything to the listeners. No, they but don't. I'm it sorry. It means a lot to yeah, us. It meant a lot to us. <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, Alive in the Wired. Say hi. Patreon.com forward slash Anygamers. You can get cool stuff. Um, I. <laughs> uh, we're terrible at this. No, it's 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 fine. You're doing you're doing great. I'm not going to call you sweetie, but you are Thank doing you. great. I appreciate not being called sweetie. You didn't like it the first time I did it. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a, wasn't a big fan of that, but, um, you know, we, we learn from our mistakes and we, we carry on. So I think the two of us have not been very valid uh, not making an episode in as long as that we have, but learn from our mistakes, break the cycle, and you yourself stay valid. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to read um Are You Okay with a Slightly yes. Older Girlfriend Volume oh, I'm 2. I'm so looking forward to that. It's gonna be so good. Uh yeah, alright. Catch us on the next episode whenever that episode comes out. Hopefully not in three months. Bye. Bye.